Hey, Plus Delta listeners, we're back with another episode this week. I want to remind you all that we are on all social media platforms and we would love to hear from you. Give us feedback on episodes or tell us what other things you want us to talk about. Please reach out to us at Plus Delta Pod on Instagram or Twitter and also Plus Delta Podcast on Facebook. We hope you enjoy this upcoming episode of Plus Delta. Our next guest is such a delight. I'm so excited for you all to listen to this episode. He is a comedian in the DC area. He's a huge techie. One of my dear friends, Steven, he is here to talk about his journey as a comedian, why he gets angry at times. I feel like sometimes as a millennial, we get yelled at for just liking avocado toast and just calling people out on their injustices. Well, we're here to change that narrative. And Steven is going to be our guest for Plus Delta. Let's listen. So start us off with, you know, who you are, what you do, um, ASL, just like how we used to do back in the day. Ooh, aim. I love I love a good aim deep cut. Yes. Uh, age, uh, none of your business. Sex, um, birth as male, and language. Is it language or lo- location? Location. Yeah. Location. location. Yes. Right. I'm currently in Arlington, uh, Virginia, and originally from Tampa, where I met Romy about eight years ago. Yeah, it's been eight years. Yeah, eight Holy years, crap. baby. Mm-mm-mm. Yes, yes, yes. I'm from Tampa. I'm uh, 38, for anyone who wants to know. <laughs> um, I am a e-learning. I'm an e-learning developer, and I started Open My Comedy last January. Right before the pandemic, the perfect time to start a new career in comedy yeah. when everyone's dying. Yes, it's <laughs> the best. And I'm performing for the first time tomorrow since first time since October of last year. Uh, so I am rusty as hell, but I'm super excited. I have a new five written and we're about to find out how horrible or how great uh, the new material <laughs> is. As of tomorrow, I'll let you know as an update. How that goes. Yes, please let us know because... Um, I know that you shared one of your jokes with me, which I actually laughed because I, I got the connection. But that's not what we're here for. We're Thank God. We're <laughs> not here for your stand-up comedy, but we all uh. we are here because... Okay, wait, hang on. Hang on a second. Before but, you say we're not here for that, how did you get into stand-up comedy? Oh, you all really right. want to know? <laughs> right, we just started there. Oh, shit. Yes. Romy's like, fuck this shit. I don't know. Yep. <laughs> He's like, yeah, you're performing tomorrow. Nobody gives a shit what you're doing tomorrow. You know what? My heart just shrank into a fucking peanut, Romy. Thank you so much. That I support you. I just sent you $5. I support you. I just don't give a fuck what you do. Oh, thank God. $5. I want to go buy myself a sandwich at Subway. Thanks. Or you could do the $4.99 Wendy's meal. $4.99? No, it's four for four. Did they raise it by 99 cents? Oh, my God. Biden's America. <laughs> Taxing the poor. Jesus. Oh, my God. All right. So comedy. Um, How'd I get into it? I wrote jokes in 2019 uh, for myself. I was really bored at the job. Uh, I no longer have as of <laughs> earlier this year. Uh, and I started writing jokes because I started going to a lot of open mics in the uh, in the city, in D.C. So it's free entertainment for the most part on most nights, a lot of open mics and showcases. And I was like, well, I love this stuff. I love writing jokes. 
I think I'm funny. Uh, so <laughs> I started writing and writing and writing. Uh, eventually a class came open in, for January of last year, 2020. So when I was on vacation in Arizona, uh, December 2019, I just kind of stared at the checkout page for the class a few times and eventually had the balls to sign up. So I did a, like a four week course on like the introduction to like how to do stand up, how to hold the mic, how, what's the uh, setup of a joke, all that shit that uh, most people don't do because uh, they're smarter than me to not waste $400 <laughs> on, on a class that you could probably just figure out on your own. But uh, I'm a very, uh, I, I need instruction, I guess. You know, I, I do well with structure. So I'm definitely the type of person who would uh, toss a lot of money at someone to tell me something I could find that on YouTube. Well, there's been free. other stories that, that we just toss money at. <laughs> oh, all the things. I should be I should be rich right now. But I, I told you, uh, before we started recording, I, I waste $20 at a time when I'm registering GoDaddy uh, domain names that I will never use ever. Uh, but yeah, I started in January 2020. I got roughly 20 shows in altogether pre-pandemic and during the pandemic. Uh, I did a Zoom series with other new comics where we just met online just to shoot new jokes to help everyone keep uh, going. And now we're meeting up again. We're going to the different mics. I haven't performed yet. It's just really hard to get a spot because all of them haven't really opened back up. But I finally got one. I'm so excited to go back tomorrow because I would love to see what happens. If it's just a hobby, cool. If it's going to blossom, great. I'm happy to go with it. And um, yes, at the same time, I'm exploring the idea of a startup, which sounds absolutely ridiculous to do uh, two separate things unrelated to one another. But as I tell myself often at two in the morning when I am beyond fucking high, why not? Why can you not be both a tech CEO and a comedian? Like, why not? Who says you can't? Oprah is like five things. Um, God, <laughs> J-Lo has like 500 businesses. Like, you know what? I can be an Indian version of Mark Zuckerberg, but not awful. So I could definitely do that. I think I can do it. We'll, we'll find out. That's a start. I mean, I love the relationship that you're having with J-Lo, Oprah, and Mark Zuckerberg. Um, I wonder how they would all be <laughs> Top in three one items room. right there. <laughs> My dream dinner party. <laughs> Can't wait. Yeah, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm excited. Um, I'm the youngest of three boys, so it's hard for me to stay focused and disciplined. So I really have to kick my own ass to uh, stay out there and get over whatever fear that I may have because the fear is not knowing how to do anything and that keeps anyone back but you don't find out till you actually go and do it so that's what I'm learning every day a little bit of startup knowledge a little bit of comedy just we'll see what happens at the end of this year and hopefully I can have a better we'll, we'll circle around and come back to that but I know that through your own process and through your own growth you had to start somewhere and one thing that I noticed is even just me just getting to know you was just like your creativity and your whole process. Like you always had something new that you wanted to add or something that you wanted to change. And that's one thing I always appreciate about you, Steven. So thank that you. is so freaking sweet. I always want to change everything, even when people don't want me to. Uh, the first time I ever did that was when my friend got his first Mac. And when he went to the bathroom, I changed all the icons on his desktop because I thought so. <laughs> that sounds like <laughs> that you would do. <laughs> yeah. And ever since then, I've been trying to change everything uh, the way I like it. So it's, it's been my brand since 1997. Because it's your world. Spice up your life. 
It is. 97 was a year. The first time I, you know, hijacked someone's Mac desktop and the same year I bought a Spice Girl CD. It was a very important year in my life. Which Spice Girl <laughs> CD, by the way? The original one. What? <laughs> Did they have another one before 97? No. No. Uh, well, I was about to say, you were the admin of whatever free, oh my freebie God. Spice Girl uh... oh, fan page, GeoCities. Yes. Oh, we're going to get yes. into that. <laughs> All right. So, my first website ever actually was a Simpsons trivia website where you actually uh, filled out the form for, uh, the, you know, when you type in answers. So, I literally had people go to my site just to type answers to trivia questions I came up with. I learned to hand code HTML. But see, things weren't smart like now. You couldn't just give people answers like right away. Maybe you could, and I just was stupid. I didn't, I didn't know anything at 14, but it would mail a form to my inbox. And then I would hand grade these fucking answers and just email them back. That's what I was doing at 14, not going out and playing sports. No, 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 no. I wanted to grade trivia questions based on the TV show, The Simpsons. That was a good use of my time in 1997. Uh, so I did that prior to getting my Spice Girls website going. American Spice, actually named Spice Wire before. But the gag was uh, Yahoo, the Google of its time, if you remember, uh, mm -hmm. would list everything in alphabetical order for all the interest categories. So Spice Wire was way down the list. So I figured if I call it American Spice, I can get re-indexed at the top. And shit, I was right. I got so much more traffic. At one point, I was getting 1,000 people a day, guys. 1,000 a day. That's crazy. Yes. Uh, with inflation, that's like a billion. Uh, <laughs> so you were you were the number one ride. website of 2001, 2004. No, two, uh, 1997 and 98. Oh, God. Now you're oh, Okay, no. You know what? First of all, you're dumb. Second, rude. Uh, <laughs> I, I was a big deal in my own mind, but in the world of Spice Girl fans who went to websites to learn information about me music artists prior to social media thank you um i think i really saved some lives no probably not <laughs> probably not i i probably just informed people of trivial knowledge that no one remembers now so i i have my place in that. i just got an idea you know what you can do you can start you can start doing like trivia and comedy both at the same time so then like okay so for example you go to a pub you introduce them like hey i can do trivia nights for you guys I have a whole format set up, blah, 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 blah. You can find someone in the DMV area to your co-host that what you can do. Get this. So then you tell them, like, hey, I do comedy, but also I'm going to host, like, trivia night for you. So then you can throw out your jokes since, uh, uh, during trivia night as well as you're giving trivia. So you can do this, like, in the DMV area, and it would be – such a good combo, especially for people going back into, you know, bars and to pubs and to uh, restaurants. And then you can just try out your jokes like within that uh, with that crowd. I mean, then you will have like multiple different types of crowds as well. So there you go. If anyone tries to take this idea, you know that the plus Delta started this and we're trademarking this right at this moment. Timestamp it. Bitch, uh, that's, that's an amazing idea. If, if only, you know, if someone didn't come up with it already, you know, that's been done. <laughs> My God, I wanted to stop, but I'm trying this new thing where I don't interrupt people in the middle of sentences like I have done for 38 years. So um, I think I did a really good job. Thanks. 
Um, thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, that is not an original idea. There are people it's, doing trivia. Well, duh, I know it's not comedy, original. But... You just try to trademark it. How, well, you are for a thief. Steve, for, for, no, oh for Steven. I'm about to say, like, <laughs> oh, let, yeah, let me get arrested. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for being on, if being on original is a crime, I would be locked up. I have, I have not a single thought that is brand new in my head. When, when when me and my boyfriend are high on the couch, as we do often watching three hours of Family Feud, as as one does, uh, right. um, we come up with ideas all the time. And then lo and behold, within five or ten minutes, we throw it in Google, and it's taken. There is not a new idea under this goddamn sun. All the ideas are taken. We all should give up. I swear to God. I cannot think of one new idea to save humanity. I cannot. I cannot. It's unfortunate. <laughs> So that rant as a whole, I think, goes back to what Jerome thought I was trying to do before of like bringing us <laughs> back together. Segway. Jerome originally said that he was bringing you on as an angry millennial. Why oh, yeah. do you think would make you such an angry millennial for him to even label you that way? Um, I, I accept it. I acknowledge it. It is my truth. Um, I am the angry millennial. Um, I was born in 83. And I uh, think for your audience, in case I don't know, Millennial is commonly defined as anyone born between 1981 and I believe 95 or 96, yeah. one of those years. So I'm obviously on the older end of millennial. Now, being an older millennial is not the same as being a younger millennial in the mid-90s, because if you were born in the mid-90s, you really kind of grew up in the early 2000s. Right. Exactly. You, you didn't really get the 90s experience. I grew up in the 80s, seven years, but really I did my growing up in the 90s. So things were different. Times were pre-iPhone, pre-social media. So we just kind of lived our lives differently, uh, mainly offline. I didn't get my first computer until 14. What I told you about doing the uh, Simpsons trivia thing wasn't until 14. Spice Girls, 14, all that. I grew up in a world before on the internet and with iPhones and Androids. So just right there, that little bit of information should probably probably tell you a lot that I just don't have as much in common with younger millennials and Gen Z as one would think, even sharing you know a generational label mm -hmm. uh, with the uh, younger millennials. So by that, I just don't really have a lot of patience for all the fucking whining. I just think <laughs> if I had to put one one sentence to it, they're a bunch of whiners. It, it, it's just everything's a fucking problem. Everything's a big deal. Everything has to go from zero to 100 in five seconds. It, it is. There's no in between. There's no pause for breath. There's no five minutes of thinking about something before you have an opinion and you shit it out on Twitter. Like <laughs> there is nothing. Nothing that stops these kids from just posting the most insane bullshit. And they believe they're bullshit. And trust me, I'm a bullshitter. I talk my bullshit too. So bullshit sees bullshit. And bitch, oh my God, they all bullshitted me. I so wait, what's an example of, of the bullshit that, you know, the younger generation or even the older generation that are not millennials, that something that, that gets on your nerves? You know what? This is a growing opinion for the younger folks. And I don't want to... Uh, paint with a broad brush, but lately I've been seeing this pop up in my own uh, social media feed. There are people who are younger, again, younger millennials and Gen Z. Um, they are of the opinion that um, we shouldn't have to work in order to um, have certain things. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not pro, you know, universal health care, uh, free public college, 
I am for those things. But uh, there are just general things that we all have to contribute to in order uh, to uh, to receive, right? Like you got to work to pay your rent and pay your utilities, car, you know, a hundred things. I'm just seeing people complain about and complain about. I'm like, what the fuck are you even talking about? You don't want to work. Like who's paying for your your T-Mobile bill? I know this sounds so silly and trivial and just very specific, but it's little things like that that uh, certain entitlements and I'm and when I see when I hear the word entitlement coming out of my own mouth I'm like oh my god now I'm like having like republican flashbacks to uh (laughs) them trying to cancel (laughs) out uh medic you know uh, medicare and all that and I'm not leaning in that direction you are basically a republican right now yeah just saying the older I get the you know, people say you you get more liberal as you get older, but I've also heard people say the opposite that you become more conservative when That's you're older. What I hear. I, I'm believing the I'm believing the latter, and I see I see that happening to me, kind of just because you know I'm just a few years shy of, of forty. Uh, but I don't think anything has changed in my beliefs. I I'm really just I've always believed the things I believed, minus the things I became more progressive on. Like I was, for example, I was never. Always, I was never on board with 15 an hour, like when the conversation happened like a decade mm-hmm. ago, because I was really pissed off at every Dunkin' Donuts ever, because no one could <laughs> get my order right. And it's really Dunkin' Donuts. Oh my God. Really, I don't know what it is about Dunkin' Donuts, but they just have that in common. No matter what Dunkin' Donuts you right. go, something will get messed up once. Oh my yes. gosh. It, it's a thousand things. I cannot go there. Do you support it or, or have you moved on to, to Starbucks or somewhere else? Or maybe a local option? What do you guys do? So I'm going to go more local. Yeah, I do local. I'm, I, for me, it varies. I um, When I was on the road, we did local or we did actually Dunkin'. Because oh. I prefer Dunkin's coffee over Starbucks coffee. Starbucks coffee is uh, burnt, in my <laughs> opinion. If you have like the straight up like black coffee... It's very a burnt acidic taste. The mm. Dunkin' Donuts coffee original flavor is a lot more uh, bold and mo- it's bold but subtle. You know, it's okay. I was sure. going to get. I was going to. No, I was going to give an example, but <laughs> you're not going to convince me. It's alright. No, I mean I'm not trying I mean, to convince you. It's your truth. But I do love their matcha latte at uh, Dunkin' Donuts a lot yeah. better than Starbucks. Everyone has different taste buds. So, you know, some people have good ones. Some people have bad ones. And you have bad taste buds. And that's okay. You're allowed to like what you like. And someone has to buy it. Someone has to keep them afloat. Besides the audience. Yeah, someone's got to keep Duncan alive. But you know what? There's only one or two in the area that haven't pissed me off yet. So I know where to go very selectively because the only thing I really like from there, yeah, I only like the Dunkachina, which is made in a machine, kind of like the powder uh, cappuccinos you get at 7-Eleven, which honestly, half the time, those taste better than going to Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, Yeah, but Dunkin' Donuts is just one example of um, whatever the hell we're talking about. I'm also coming down to the right now. I lost my train of thought. Okay, so here's here's what I'm thinking of. It's like some of the things that as I feel like what's get painted as a broad stroke for millennials is that, you know, we get mad about climate change, about economic and social inequality, student debt, um, that there's a lack of young leaders that are in politics. Do you think that for us as millennials, us growing up, 
that we saw so much change and evolution with uh, technology, why everything else is not changing. I think that goes back to what I was saying about we're that generation where we lived without technology. We knew how to function in the real world without the, the new paradigms that we live in. And now we're functioning in this, in this new way of just doing everything online first. Like it's not subordinate to IRL. <laughs> See, I'm just talking in chat speak right now. <laughs> just so in real life. Uh, no, you, you're supposed to do something with the anger, but if we're speaking to the fact that technology is here running parallel with real problems that we have that need solving, then I'm going to answer like maybe technology is a little bit of a distractor and mm. people confuse, you know, technology as a means to be an activist. Uh, I don't consider myself a, an activist per se. I, I'm more of a reluctant <laughs> activist in, in that regard, just because I live in close proximity now to... Uh, to Washington, D.C. I'm just right on the border uh, in South Arlington. But I think a lot of kids now are using these platforms thinking they're doing something meaningful and measurable by being just total bitches on 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 Twitter. Like, you know, they'll get a hashtag going saying uh, uh, Cancun cruise, right? You know, he got caught going to Cancun when Texas was freezing his dick off, right? Um, but you know, just being a petty bitch on Twitter, is not the same as showing up with a sign and yelling at people to stop drilling for oil. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think, I think, uh, there was a term used a decade ago. Maybe you remember it, uh, slacktivism. Yeah, uh, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe it got supplanted by armchair activism or what, you know, a thousand other terms you could, you know, describe it as, but yeah, there's there's this real measurable thing when you can go outside and, and show up and show face and not just, you know, hit retweet or, or hit like, because those things don't really take an investment. Those things aren't really um, asking a sacrifice of you other than just, you know, tap and keep on scrolling. Right. Uh, I think, I think there's a, a huge difference there between our, our two different uh, generational groups as it pertains to uh, technology against everything else that we cared about growing up. I think speaks uh, definitely some validation and some truth to that because one, I remember even from last year um, with the protests and um, mm -hmm. I think, what was it for the month of May? Was it month of May? No, no, no. Or month uh, of June. May 20 well, it was end of May, June because of um, George Florida's kill on the 25th. And then just not soon after everything erupted. I know, I, I remember clearly it was late May because I didn't really celebrate my birthday at all, which is May 29th. It was right. just a depressive week. It was just like, I don't feel like doing anything. So we just did it. And we couldn't. Everything was locked down anyway. So even if I wanted to, we couldn't go anywhere. Right. And then to the point that it was on social media that everyone had the black uh, profile or mm -hmm. on the black square. Yes. And I'm not, and I'm not going to call this person out, but they rhyme with Benny. And so <laughs> they literally had the black uh, photo. And then next week, after I guess because I think it was supposed to be up for a week or or whatever I don't pay, I don't pay attention to that and then I saw her post something about like being pro Trump and about uh, protests uh, <laughs> that these people out here especially what was happening in uh, Seattle uh, and stuff um, 
that you know the people protesting out there uh it's they're staging a coup and and this is um against our uh freedoms for uh being american i'm just all like okay so you literally just did that to just uh show up and just say that hey i'm with someone or you know i'm with what the popular media or what is the good thing is and i feel like that also as well not everyone should be giving a public uh post or what do they call it a uh you called it something last week like uh, apple ios uh ios press release yeah, yeah. I, I'm yeah. so tired of those iOS press releases. And <laughs> it's, you know, it's false hope in, in that matter. Because it's all like, what change or what work are you really willing to bring? And I'm going to say, that's what makes me angry. Because then you get these groups of people, or just people in general, who are uh, believing that I can just say something and, and it, will, it will make a change. No, there has to be action towards that. Right. Mobilization is such a key part. And I think uh, going back to that time frame of late May and June, and even through the summer, really, I think that was the first legitimate time people who were skewing younger got a real taste of what it meant to go outside and commune and uh, meet with others and uh, protest or something and that was a time it was a triple oh my god moment you had george floyd you had brianna taylor you had amont aubrey uh just was it just weeks apart maybe i don't, I don't know it, it didn't seem that far apart because yeah it was for, weeks apart just like a week or yeah so you had that back to back to back so the fire was getting more stoked and stoked and stoked and especially here in the dc area like you've been here a number of times you know this place is freaking lit like it doesn't matter if it if it's um a protest going on when someone gets murdered but there is just a protest for anything you can imagine for any country dc is the place to be pissed the hell off (laughs) like you can just find random saturdays you can just go around the white house they're meeting somewhere for for anything so when it's especially about the continued murder of of black americans um it was the the anger was palpable here, and I think this is really the first time uh, the younger millennials and uh, Gen Z really had something to uh, be a part of that wasn't just being on on Twitter. But yeah, so, I was never this political until I moved here. <laughs> being just dumb or or the g-bar g-bar yeah, before g-bar, southern we're, night we were just being just dumb gays <laughs> oh my god the closer the closer you live in proximity to the capital the more opinionated you become and more hostile you become it it is it is like a um a moth to a damn flame you i i've i'm a reluctant uh political type of person i do i've never planned on being this involved in learning as much as I'm learning and reading as much as I'm reading. I shouldn't know as many state capitals as I, as I should. I think the last time I knew this many state capitals was fourth grade in Lake Myrtle elementary. Uh, I, I really should not know this. I I just want to live my life, but here you can't like, I think it's, it's insane. So here is my question. Cause I was kind of going to ask it, but I think you may have answered it. 
did you move to DC because you were an angry millennial or did you become <laughs> an angry millennial because you moved to DC? Uh, it was starting before I moved uh, from Florida. Uh, I moved here because I had a really bad breakup with an ex. And I thought it'd be cute to be the uh, cliche brokenhearted guy who moves to start over, you know, like zany sitcom would go. Uh, so I did that and I was already pissed off over the whole Trump thing, which was part of my breakup because his parents were uh, Trump supporters and uh, just really, um, really involved Baptist. So they just had a contentious thing with me a little bit, not not way too much, but just enough for me to just have things kind of go down the tube. Mm-hmm. And then I, once that relationship ended, I moved up here and I just kind of got angrier and angrier just because that was the beginning of the Trump era in 2017, you know, after he got inaugurated, I moved up here just two months after, you know, yeah, let me just move even closer to get away from heartbreak so I can just gain a whole <laughs> new set of problems. Right. That's so, so much better. It made all the sense in the world. Um, yeah, uh, I, I got progressive, uh, you know, just more aware. And uh, there's this comedian. I love this comedian so much. Uh, Nimish Patel. I just saw him just a few days ago here in D.C. He has this great joke where it goes, if ignorance is bliss, then D.C. must be the saddest place in the world. <laughs> And it's true. We know too much. That's why we're always pissed off. The people here are just not the people you meet in Tampa. Uh, Everyone's different. The Spanish people are different here. (laughs) The black people here are different than the ones in Tampa. Like, er, like this is a very unique place. Like uh, the Southern, the Southern niceness, although it's very backhanded at times, you really do miss it once you're here for a few years. It's true. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I I must say, like, I felt like the more south I got from my trip from Maine, the more I was all like, okay, like, people are not just being kind just because this is a service job or whatever. Like, people are actually, like, being nice. And I think I said that comment to you when we were at swingers and i was all like oh wow the staff is actually uh nice until that one person who was just all like do you want something to drink and we're like no and she's like just walked off like just like yeah she was reluctantly nice everyone was like it was like week one or two whatever it was for swingers maybe three weeks and everyone still had their patine you know they haven't been ruined by customer service yet uh, but there is one girl who's just doing the sweep through of picking up cups from the drink uh, little standing areas around the, the, the different holes uh, for the mini golf. And she just kind of grumbled the script. It, there was no enthusiasm, but it was very DC. So she's obviously <laughs> over it. She's had jobs like this, but the others maybe are working for the first time in a while. And they're they're still happy to be there. So if you're looking for a good customer service, go to Swingers DC while you can before it's too late, before it goes really downhill. <laughs> so then would you say that you're wanting to do comedy and stand-up, not just because of what you said earlier, like thinking you're funny and writing stuff down? Do you think it's also a coping mechanism for your anger? It is. Writing jokes is a good way for me to um, really focus on what could be funny about a situation. Um, 
I was joking uh, with Romy not too long ago. Like, I'm on my second, uh, what, my fifth Twitter ban and my second or first Instagram ban. Um, I, but again, like everyone else, you just get a new account and that's it. Oh, tell, because, tell us about it. How'd you get banned? Oh, uh, the most common reason why I get banned amongst a list of reasons. Um, <laughs> I, I don't miss I don't miss my words when it comes to Trump supporters. It always goes back to the MAGA, uh, or as they're often called on on Twitter, they're called American ISIS. So more and more, or less other words, I'm telling them to go fucking kill themselves and jump off a fucking building. Uh, I cannot stand them. They are the worst people I have ever met. And I grew up with these people before they were known as Trump supporters. They were just Trump supporters um, incubating at, the, at that point. Trump they, yeah, it was like the movie Alien, you know, the head just pops out and just just screams with its big nasty teeth. That's that's how I compare them. I know it sounds awful and very mean, but I said what I said. Uh, I'm, I'm saying, and I just saw the Purge uh, sequel, the new one, um, the Forever Purge, and that that movie was all based on our own headlines. There's so many metaphors, and I just left there wanting to scream "fuck Whitey" so bad. <laughs> oh my god, that movie! If you want to just see something that's so on the nose about our political climate, go see the Forever Purge. But I meant no words when it comes to Trump supporters. There's no reasoning with them. There is no amount of logic and science and fact and verifiable information about anything that will ever produce a fruitful conversation. Therefore, I just have no incentive to be diplomatic in my words or pretend to be nice about it. I have no incentive to. I just mm -hmm. lost all the fucks to give. And a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, maybe I would have been more tolerant and more uh, capable of choosing my words and not dying on certain hills. But now it's like, what the fuck is the point? We have over 600,000 people, Democrat, Republican, independent, or non-political, non are dead. Fellow countrymen and women are dead because mm -hmm. they either did not give a fuck, or if they did give a fuck, someone around them didn't give a fuck, and therefore now they're fucked and they're dead. So it is a traumatic experience for a lot of us, for me, I still think about the names and the faces I see on the news. It's mm -hmm. upsetting. I don't know how to get over it. I will get over it someday, but it's still fresh. Even now, we're just now getting out the, you know, the house without masks and going to the movies now without masks and all that because we're vaccinated. It's like, I'm still sad about it. I am so yeah. upset for people who are missing their mom or their dad, whether whether I think they're good people or not, because you know everyone got it. It didn't matter who who you are or what you believed. I'm I'm just sad exactly. for people that they're missing someone they love because they didn't take it serious. Uh, mm -hmm. So we'll see we'll see where I am in a year, but hope, hopefully I can get over it. But for now, fuck Trump supporters, fuck their ignorant asses, <laughs> fuck their their ignorance, thinking it's the same as as knowledge and science. I, I, I can't stand them. There there is there is no point in being nice about it, truly. So to try to make it a little bit less angry, who <laughs> would you say are your like top three or five comedians that not necessarily you want to take after, but like can inspire you a bit to do what you want to do? Right. Uh I've mentioned one already, Nimish Patel. He is an amazing um 
Indian American. He was the first Indian writer for Saturday Night Live. He's only been, uh, I think he did his first, first open mic in 2009, he said. But I think maybe he was doing comedy for real, for real, for maybe five or six years. Uh, I could be wrong on that number, but uh, that's what my brain just told me. I'll have to go look it up. Um, but the point is, um, when he started taking it serious, you know, things fell into place um, sooner than other comics. And because he's in New York, you know, it, it really put him in good proximity to the places he needed to be. And he's such a smart, smart writer. He writes that line between stupid and, and, and serious and just making really pointed jokes. Uh, so that, that was a great time seeing him for the second time, uh, just a few days ago. Um, another comic I love, Mateo Lane, uh, he is a comic, he's out of Chicago, or from Chicago in New York now. Um, he's a gay man and he is multi-talented, um, which makes me think I can do multiple things at once because not only is he a comic, but he's a wonderful illustrator. Uh, he's a wonderful singer. Um, he's an insta thought, which is awesome to um, know you could be both. You don't have to be dumb and pretty or or ugly and smart. You could have it all apparently <laughs> with <laughs> with certain people in, th in this world. God damn him! <laughs> I hate him. I I, I love him because I hate him. Uh, but he's you one can of my always favorite. change your looks with plastic surgery now. You know, I'm working. You know, give me another five dollars on Venmo, and we'll see what I can do with it. <laughs> um, make that dollar stretch. Uh, but I, yeah, I, he, I love that really when good. he gave you the option of being like ugly and talented, or pretty and dumb, or whatever the proper word for it was. You straight up just said you need plastic surgery, and not <laughs> you need one of the people that has both. <laughs> you, know, you, need, you can't, you we can't work on that on your own. You need some surgery. <laughs> oh my god! Well, I know Great that you know down. there's some self-deprivation within all of us. So why don't you just do an easy fix? Oh my god, that that, that I am hurt, and I took that personal. Uh, but we. Um, <laughs> You know, we'll just put a pin in that one. But as far as comedians go, definitely Nimish Patel, Mateo Lane. Um, God, there's uh, a podcast to listen to, the Jackie and Lori show, Jackie Cation and Lori Kilmartin. Uh, those two, I've seen them live individually. Uh, they're both funny. Uh, they're both women comics. I love women comics a lot more usually than, than the male comics. Uh, they just crack me the hell up. I've seen Wanda Sykes once or twice uh, miss pat another uh great comedian out there yes uh i have a handful of uh comics to listen to uh even bob the drag queen is not like a huge comedian but he he's pretty funny monet is trying to get into it uh so she says so that'll be funny to see if uh she uh takes it serious and does it uh more often but yeah there's a handful i can't even think of right now off the top of my head but yeah there are a lot that I really just observe and pay close attention to because uh, I am still learning. I'm very new. Again, I'm only a little less than two dozen uh, performances in. You know, I've bombed as much as I've done well. Uh, so I'm. Yeah, you know, and uh, Hannibal. <laughs> Bear, Bear, Burris can get his name out. Uh, Hannibal Burris said he sucked for the longest time. He he bombed so much before he got good at it. 
So that tells you right there, you just have to go out there and keep honing it every damn night. Like they tell you, you really got to be out there almost every night if you want to get like really good. So now that things are opening up and now it's as of tomorrow, I finally got one because again, things are limited here. You know, hopefully in a year's time, it's just going to be a whole different story. Not on Nemesis, but F level, not writing for SNL, who knows? But uh, it would be great to see what happens uh, a year from now. So with the transition from Zoom or online comedy shows to now back in person, what do you think that people and comedians have to adjust to? I think people need to adjust to um, getting back to what's considered normal. Um, are you you talking about broadly, like how to behave in a movie theater or, or something more, more in a more comedy setting, like, Oh, a comedy setting. Yeah. 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 Like if I'm going to a comic show, like, you know, if you are the viewer and then if you are the comedian, like, what are some things that you just have to adjust, you know, I want to say adjust back to, but moving forward what do you have to think about now in preparation of the comedy show the you know all that whole aspect i mean as the viewer goes it really applies to the to the uh the movie thing i just spoke to if you're at a movie or a comedy show you have to shut the fuck up people think they're in their in their living room still mm-hmm. like it's 2020 uh you would be amazed how many people who are now at comedy shows and movie theaters who Act like their phone paid for a ticket too. Uh, <laughs> your phone, their phone did not. Uh, that phone needs to stay the hell off. Your ringer needs to be on silent. Your everything needs to be on silent. Your mouth needs to be on silent. If it's funny, you laugh. If it's not, shut up. And uh, hecklers, even if you think you're helping by shouting something, it's not good. It wasn't good before the pandemic. It's still not cute now after. I know we're all excited to get out there and we want to make the most of our night. And a lot of us are out there already hired drunk when the show is starting or halfway through, uh, like myself had that last new show. God, I met him high as fuck. If you saw my photo, uh, on Instagram, I look look like trash. I look (laughs) gone as hell. I did that with Christella too. When I met her in Tampa, just talked her ear off for five minutes. She tolerated me. God, God bless her heart. Uh, but yeah, people just need to learn. Like, this isn't your show. This isn't your movie. This isn't your living room. Just be cool. Other people spent a lot of money to go to these shows or go to the film. Just, just be cool. Just, just keep it to yourself. Whisper quietly. We can voices carry, but otherwise just be quiet. Laughing is funny. Be quiet when it's not. You look like Cheech and Chong in this photo. Cheech and Chong. <laughs> <laughs> Straight oh, up. Not a flattering photo. I just, not a flattering angle. I I look gone, gone. I knew I shouldn't have that other half. I brought another half of gummy with me to have during the show. I took one before the show. I should have waited till later because I felt like I was falling asleep towards the end. And I was like, no, you got to fight it. This is so funny. You got to stay awake. Like, <laughs> like I'm waiting for Santa Claus to come down, you know, uh, and I'm just falling asleep on, on the couch. That That's how I felt just sitting there. Because if you're sitting in a dark room, hi, you're going to fall asleep. You know, you can't stand up and stretch like it's your living room. 
but I managed to uh, get through the get through the show. I should probably not get high before I go out. That's probably a good <laughs> goal for uh, going forward. Life Note life. to self. Yeah. So I had one more question about your comedy stuff. Do you, um, I know like there's certain comedians out there that like have a theme to what their comedy act is like. Like some of them are like impressionists. Some of them are like political comedians. Others like whatever. I think you get where I'm going with it. Do you have yeah, a particular yeah. theme or do you just like based on whatever's happening, you make jokes to go with the situation and pull from there. Like what is your flow? I get you. Uh, a lot of times it's it's a positive and a negative, but I love topical humor. Now, the problem with topical humor is that it has a shelf life. So if it's out of the news, um, then the joke doesn't really have its punch anymore. So what I had to learn um, since I started last year was to not lean so heavy on topical um, news stories. Mm-hmm. I had a joke about Gwyneth Paltrow's pussy candle. Do you remember in early <laughs> yeah. 2020... Late 2019, I guess, she had like an $80, $90 candle um, yeah. on her website, Goop, which I joked that the candle was uh, uh, named after um, her vagina, which is also the name of her of her website. And I totally butchered my own joke, but you can kind of put the, uh, the connection together. Uh, yeah. Trust me, it killed. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And I followed it up with that I made my own candle to you called Ploop, you know, and that it's just something I make in my toilet, um, you know, and it, 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 and it worked, right? But it's topical, you know, it, it worked with the crowd mm-hmm. then, but uh, it's not in the news. So I started writing more things that are evergreen, things about myself growing up, things that uh, I just kind of make fun of how gay I was as a kid, but not aware of how gay I was. Like me drawing Batman comics when I was a kid, but I always found a way in every episode for Batman's shirt to get ripped off in a fight. Um, <laughs> and I would really focus on the details of the nipples a little too much. Uh, and I didn't know what that meant until like way later in my life. And um, the fact that I had a super homosexual crush on Donatello did Ninja Turtle. Um, <laughs> I, I had no idea what that meant. I didn't know why I wanted to kiss him, but most boys didn't think that way about Donatello or any Ninja Turtle. And they're also cartoons. <laughs> they're not real people. Uh, that's another sign. And, and they're turtles. <laughs> and they're turtles. So, you know, there's bestiality. There are fact that they're animated and that I can't actually meet them in person. You know, I had a lot of things going against me. And my goal is to meet Donatello. Yeah, there, there was a lot going on there. Uh, the fact that I take Power Rangers and I would uh, pause on the scenes when Jason would flip just enough to, for me to see under his shirt. That was another sign. Um, <laughs> there, it was just really weird. Um, so I wanted to find that and just write jokes about that because those don't expire. So mm-hmm. I have some of those jokes I'm doing tomorrow just to talk about how unaware of my own gayness I was. Um, the fact that I bought a Jenny McCarthy poster to fight my own gayness. Like I knew as a kid, but as a teen, I was trying to fit in. So I went to my local Kmart. I bought a poster of 1995 Playboy Centerfold Jenny McCarthy. And I literally, no joke, taped it to the ceiling of my childhood bedroom, praying to God if I looked at it long enough, I would no longer want to suck Carson Daly's penis. <laughs> and and today, I still want to suck Carson Daly's penis. So it did not work. <laughs> um, 
And it's Florida, by the way. It's Florida. So the tape and the humidity did not get along. Oh, so yeah. more than one of it yeah. started peeling off like little by little. And right. then eventually it'll just like fly. Right. We were making the only like, no. your bed. It, it, I, I would wake up like this. Like I would have poster boobs in my face, you know, Jenna McCarthy <laughs> poster boobs. And it only made me gayer, I think. I was not, <laughs> not anymore. What Carson looks like? Yeah. I was like, these are not Carson tits. These are Jenny tits. These are not the tits I want in my face. Um, I had a Shaquille O'Neal poster at one point, and I actually said aloud to my brother, I think he's cute. And I wasn't aware what I just said, but I remember it in my brain. My brother going, oh. You know, and like we never <laughs> talked about it ever again. <laughs> Not even till today. <laughs> but I, I, I thought he even had a, sh a, crush, a crush on Shaquille O'Neal in his, in his heyday. And it's like, I don't know. I guess Shaq was cute, I guess, when I was 12, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but there, there's a lot there to unpack. I'm sure as the years go on, I'm going to remember other things I repressed and just really hopefully just write a few more jokes about how <laughs> unaware of my own gayness I was as a child. You know, the negativity and the things that we repress and the uh, maybe even the dark parts of ourselves um, as humor to, you know, just to bring laughter and, you know, just bring another lens to what people are dealing with. Because, you know, you never know what someone else may be, you know, going through uh, at that perfect time. I think that's why I enjoy comedy is because you, it brings a different perspective. And I just love the, the taste of irony. So. Yeah, I, I think the most important thing for anything the through line should just be just my authentic stories and not embellishing too much of course there's some room for fiction but i want to tell my own stories and i think what i love about the comedians that i love that i mentioned earlier is that they really tell you about themselves and who mm -hmm. they are and you get an idea and you connect with them people that you probably would never be friends with in real life because you just don't have enough in common personally but if I tell my authentic story and show my authentic self on stage, yeah, there are going to be people who eventually might, you know, be a fan one day and keep seeing me. People that maybe wouldn't be my friend in real life and, and vice versa. But I think they would enjoy that as much as I enjoy getting to know other people who who tell me jokes. So uh, that's that's my long term goal, I think, with my my feature uh, joke writing. Uh, just be real, be authentic, because people know when you're not. People know when you're mm -hmm. just trying to mimic mm -hmm. another comic. And I'm not here to be Anemich Patel or Aziz Ansari or or anyone else. I just I can only be me and, and tell my own stories and find the funny and and all the weirdness that I was uh, growing up and all my angry millennial opinions <laughs> <laughs> on on everyone else um, that has come after me. Yeah. So, Stephen, where can people find you? Uh, you right. know, your comedy, <laughs> just the... Uh, well, one of my band on social media, right? Yeah, I guess. Uh, <laughs> right. My brand new account, please get my follow weight up, please. I, I started over. I'm under 100 people right now. God help me. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at unholy underscore free holies. The word unholy, then underscore free holies. Um... Don't ask me to spell free holies. I am half Puerto Rican and my Spanish is horrible. Um, F R I J O L E S free holies. I think that's right. Yeah, underscore 
April is thank God I got that right. Woo. All right. Uh, follow me there. I'm on Twitter, but it's not my personal Twitter account. It's just the one for the co-op uh, startup I'm trying to get started. So I'm not on there yet, but uh, I'm on Facebook. Uh, but I don't even know my Facebook username. So if you happen to find me on there, great. But uh, for the most part, just follow me on Instagram. And you could uh, see my story. I post new jokes. I test material there all the time. Tell me if you love it or to go fuck myself in the DMs. I'm open to all types of feedback. I also will post where I'm performing if you happen to be in the DMV area. I'll be at the Electric Palm uh, tomorrow night for my first show since October. And I'll let you know how it goes because, goddamn, I really need this so bad. I'm so anxious to get back out there to tell people or have people tell me uh, to go fuck myself or, uh, or if they want to buy me a shot. So we'll, we'll see how that goes tomorrow. Well... Best of luck to you. And you. As, as we wrap up so we can let you go rehearse one last time and not saying that that's what you're going to do, but we'll pretend. Um, <laughs> can you give us your plus and Delta either from our conversation or otherwise? So a plus from this conversation or otherwise in the world. That is such a broad, uh, a broad, broad topic. Yeah. Just try uh, to make you think as much as possible. What is good? It could be things that are going good. Um, I think what's going good outside of this podcast, which I'm so proud of you guys for doing something that you love. That's so good because I've wanted to do a podcast and I can never think of an idea to really justify doing one. Um, (laughs) I, I think it's so good that people are trusting science, even though our vaccination rates aren't or they missed the goal, really, as as a national mm-hmm. average. I think it's comforting to just meet so many people who trust it, who are willing to do the right thing, um, and just be united in that way. And I know as much as I don't feel like the patriotic spirit and, and all that um, of being an American, I it's, it's a more of a quiet... Um, appreciation for my fellow Americans who um, are on the right side of history. I I appreciate that a lot. Uh, now, for the minus, <laughs> fuck well, everyone else. Delta, 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 Delta. Delta. Something to right. change. <laughs> something to change. I would love to change the mind of dumbasses who don't think the vaccine will help them. <laughs> um, while we're on the same topic, I just I, I just don't understand the mindset of of those who um, think their Facebook, their uncle on Facebook has a more astute, more studied, more accepted, more respected um, set of knowledge or facts than Dr. Fauci or other career disease experts. I wish I could change that. I And I know. I could just sit there and have conversations with people about the facts, but people don't go into conversations at all with wanting to have their mind changed. I challenge you to try to have a conversation with someone who wants to have their mind changed about anything because you're going to fail miserably. No one wants to admit they got it wrong. But if I could, if I found that magical unicorn out there who would leave a conversation after a respectful dialogue, which I know I just ranted earlier about Trump people. I know, I know, but I had, I just had a conversation last week with a close friend 
about what Biden is doing. Uh, and he was kind of skeptical. And so I just had to lay out basic facts about how government works in the Senate and how that kind of impedes on progress. But if I could have honest conversations like that, where that gentleman did listen and did receive the words and wasn't argumentative, I think we could be in a better spot providing people do engage in good faith debate and discourse. That doesn't, yeah, I, I agree. We definitely need to have more conversations, but like you said, with open mind, not with the, I'm going to talk to you just so I can tell you how you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. Listen to understand. Two ears, one mouth. Amen. All right. Well, we'll be back with our own Plus and Delta. Thank you so much, Steven. Thanks for having me, guys. So here we go. Hey, everybody. Wow, you're being very aggressive right now. Welcome to the, what's it called, petty party that we're throwing between ourselves. You're being a petty patty right now, Which is very fitting to our Angry Millennial episode. So, Jerome, tell us, what are you an angry millennial about? Angry millennial about how you just started everything right now so abrupt. I am not ready. I only have like an eyelash on. How dare you? I can't even deal right now. I sound like every other Gen Z person out there. I'm upset. And you didn't take my feelings into consideration. So I am here to tell you that I don't care about your feelings because you didn't take my feelings into consideration. Really? <laughs> oh, man. So God, the tables have turned today. How, how the turntables, as Michael Scott would say, how the turntables. <laughs> and I would say what I am an angry millennial about is about the fact that people spend the entire time on the phone and can't have a normal face-to-face conversation even on zoom when all you can see is each other's faces so that that's where I'm you're at. not even making sense right now <laughs> you're not even making any i made sense, sense. no you didn't <laughs> you're literally just reversing what just happened beforehand because i told you that i wasn't finished and then you're going to record anyway but <sighs> i digress so what makes me angry is the hypocrisy of what we were talking about earlier, people wanting to do the work or wanting to make change and they just sit on their butts and just let things like just pass by and, you know, just be part of the uh, slog or part of the activism in quotations, but not doing anything about it. Yeah, slacktivism. That's that's definitely uh, a word that needs to bring bring uh, be brought back. I'm gonna tell you what really grinds my gears. Because yes, okay, Peter Griffin. And that is not just gamers, but Gen Z gamers. So when I think of oh. some, when somebody when I think of somebody that's a gamer, you know, it's somebody that like plays all kinds of different video games across console consoles, or maybe you do have like a fan base of one versus the other, but like you're very passionate, you're very deeply involved in games and all this and all that. So whenever they talk about being gamers, they're like, oh, I'm such a great gamer, whatever this and whatever that. What they mean by being a gamer is they play Call of Duty, they play yes. Fortnite. And they get get really good at those games. I'm not saying they're not good at gaming, but they get good at those two or three games 
never play the story, just spend a whole bunch of money getting a whole bunch of expensive guns and cool outfits and beating people because that's all they do day in, day out, and now they're gamers. But like again, they've never played the story, so they're not any sort of attached to the game. They just like getting online, getting that instant gratification win and yelling at other people. They've never played a more complex game, which don't get me wrong, this past week all I've done is play Call of Duty. So I love that too. But I like a game with a story. I like playing sports games. I like playing dance games, like when they had Dance Dance Revolution or Rock Band. I, even my life is not surrounded by video games, I would consider myself more of a gamer than they are because I'm more open-minded to playing every type of game. So you fake gamers that just like, oh, I'm going to play Call of Duty and I'm the best gamer of all time. Now shut your mouth. Really what grinds my gears, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, So, but it's one-uppers. Yeah. I really, I can't, okay, people who one-up, let people enjoy their moment or tell their story. And I totally understand you want to bring something, uh, how you want to relate to what they have said. And so this is my best uh one of my examples of one-upping so let's say that you broke your leg and then they tell a time how they got shattered and they had a broken uh arm and uh, a cracked rib yes i understand that you want to share your sentiment you want to share your story but let the person just have their moment Mm-hmm. I feel like it just it just takes away from the moment. I feel like you're you're underlying being dickish. Yeah. To go off to our guest this time around, I want to go ahead and com- yeah. I first of all love Stephen, and I want to compliment in that it takes a lot to be a comedian, especially the more that we get into an era and where everyone has the power to get on social media and bash you. In an era where your feelings matter more than a joke, which I'm not saying feelings are not valid, but I just think there's a different thing when it's for the sake of comedy versus like real life thing. Because as we mentioned in the episode with Steven, sometimes those jokes that people make, especially comedians, that's their coping mechanism to deal with something else that made them angry, some trauma that they've gone through or whatever else. So although they may be offensive to others and um, whatever, which again, I'm not saying it's okay to be offensive to people, but people as individuals choose to be offended, one. And then two, if that's how somebody's coping with something, you don't get to be the person that comes in and says, no, you can't be funny because it hurts my feelings. So you got to find a new way to deal with your problems. Like everyone has their own out for things. For some people might be music, for some people might be comedy, um, whatever. So I just think people need to let people be people with that. As long as there's no line being crossed. It's a joke. And if, Especially to a comedian that's uh, giving their performance. And I'm not saying, you know, that you need to go up there and just make your whole bit be about, like, racial jokes or be about ableism jokes. Right. And it's sort of for for that matter. But I feel like sometimes that we are um, canceling or policing uh, humor Mm -hmm. that it's stifling creativity. And that's where I have a problem with because sometimes you know 
there are jokes that are going to be funny, but then it's like, well, damn, that was like borderline uh, offensive. But then you just think about, well, what's if you try to break down that joke and think about what is the lens that the comedian or the presenter is giving that joke, maybe that you have mm-hmm. some understanding to that. And I think that that goes back to what we were saying earlier about understanding uh, one another, but then also at the end mm-hmm. of the day, it's just for freaking entertainment uh, for, for my uh, matter. I mean, I remember um, back in the 90s with uh, Will and Grace. And I know that Mm. at that time, I'm thinking about, yes, I feel like comedy is certain uh, comedy performances or sitcoms are dated. That's of the time. So it's okay to rewatch them uh, now. But then just thinking about that, okay, that was at a certain time uh, in performance that happened with Will and Grace. You know, they made a lot of jokes about feminizing uh, queer people or yeah. gay with Jack. And so, yeah, that was at, at ter- a certain time, you know, that's how people dealt with uh, gay people. But that's not how it is uh, now. Maybe some of the yeah. jokes were funny at the time. Maybe the jokes are funny now. And some jokes, you know, they may, be, they may retire. And I, I feel like uh, that's okay to that. But my point is, is let's let the people who are creating and entertaining us uh, with their, with their jokes, let's let them, you know, have their moment. And then having maybe that conversation later on down in the line, if that joke was appropriate or not. But I think that just completely silence, silencing uh, comedy. I, I feel I feel for the comedians on what they have to do now and stand mm-hmm. up because one, I couldn't do it. And I think for anyone who gets onto social media and say something to these comment uh, to these comedians uh, about their performance, about you know this really affected me, um, about I had to deal with with my parents and so forth. The comedian right. did not yeah, know not that like before they got on stage. Somebody went on stage, gave everybody a survey, say, "Hey, what are the things that you've gone through?" And then they chose to make fun of those things specifically. Like that, that was not the goal. That was the comedian dealing with their own personal thing. Again, whether it was as a joke and it was fictionalized or whether it was very honest and exaggerated or whatever, it, it was the comedian's decision to do their own thing. Um, so, yeah. So, to go into my plus in Delta, first of all, my plus would be hats off to all comedians out there. My favorite being. Uh, Gabriel Iglesias. Um, if there's ever any thought of how I am as a teacher, uh, go ahead and watch Mr. Iglesias on Netflix because he gets me almost spot on. So shout out to him and everything he's doing and every other comedian out there uh, that people may connect to. That is my plus. My delta is Gen Zers. Just because you got a lot of likes on social media does not mean that you're the most amazing person. Likes don't mean anything. Focus on real world more than you do on social media. Definitely use it. I am very much involved with it and I have fun with it, but that that's not life. Get out there, do some other things. Absolutely. There's other things to life than just being on the internet. So for my plus comedians, uh, content creators, please put out more content and please keep us entertaining us um, 
don't get stifled by the haters because they can't do it as well, but mm-hmm. they can sit behind a keyboard and just say wherever they want. I'm here encouraging um, it. I like to see people being creative in their own way and telling their own story. And I feel like at the end of the day, just like what Steven said, coping, uh, comedy is a coping uh, mechanism. If you're able to get through what you may have dealt with uh, as trauma and maybe seeing it as laughter, then, you know, you are slowly getting through what you may have gone uh, through in your past. And what I would like to see change for my Delta is, Brian, I need you not to be passive aggressive, (laughs) not start things, you know, so abrupt and taking things personally. I felt like beforehand that maybe some of the actions that I did, you felt like that it was personal and it wasn't and I was in the moment and you didn't let me explain myself. So I feel very uh, hurt, but I forgive you, friend, because I love you. Oh, is this, is, is this supposed to be where I accept your apology? Sure, you're forgiven. That's fine. I, you don't have to accept no, it. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. I, I'm just, I said, I, I, I said I, what I said. I was just being a jerk on purpose. No, thank you. I appreciate that. And you're right. I did take something personally that I shouldn't have, but it happens. We'll we'll grow. I think we had a good talk about it, and we can joke about it now, so it'll be fine. Um, and I know I just said that social media is not everything, but if you guys would like to follow us on social media and show us some support, uh, we do have our show us some love, yeah, please. our Instagram and Twitter at Plus Delta Pod, and our Facebook Plus Delta Podcast. We'd love to hear from you and listeners till next time. You have a great rest of your week. Peace out.